You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of uh, the second section of Collected Works, Volume 266, Volume 3, by Rudolf Steiner, translated by Marsha Post. I'm reading these in sections. Uh, They are not Steiner's words. They are the notes taken by various participants. So there's two or three versions of one esoteric lesson. The book is called Esoteric Lessons, excuse me, from 1913 to 1923. This set, number two, goes from page 43 to... 85. Esoteric lesson given in Berlin on January 6, 1913. Record A. There are many esotericists who believe that they are not making any progress. This is impossible for those who apply themselves with zeal to their exercises. We must differentiate between progress and the noticing of progress. Those who are not satisfied and wish to say, along with Meister Eckhart, quote, what good is it if I am a king, if I do not know it, close quote, must develop a finer feeling, a listening to what is happening within their soul. Above all, esotericists complain that they fall asleep while doing their evening exercises. Assuming that you fall asleep during your backward review, you will wake up again, When you then remember back to the point where you fell asleep, you will become aware that in spite of your day consciousness being extinguished in sleep, your meditation continued. This can possibly be of more use than a meditation done with full consciousness. Of importance here is the fact that in the state of being outside your body, your consciousness worked further and a transition was found from ordinary day consciousness to a higher condition of consciousness. This is already an expanding of consciousness, and in this expansion is the actual progress. Bracket. Note in another lecture, which otherwise is the same, the following was recorded. Quote, it is not thereby a matter of something subconscious, but rather of raising what was experienced into consciousness. Close quote, close bracket. Our dreaming also shows that we have made progress. We must just observe our soul. We must become attentive to what is happening in our soul. It may happen that in a dream, shortly before awakening, we see a coffin, or a house with a door, or an angel who hands us a chalice. Before we are able to see our body, we see it in pictures that correspond to our own disposition. Those who are melancholic from time to time and who frequently think about death will behold a coffin with a corpse in it as symbol of their physical body. Those who are more optimistic and of a more joyous disposition will see a house before them and a door that they must go through to enter into their physical body. Those with a religious disposition will see an angel who offers them a chalice. This is a symbol for the waking day consciousness that comes back into them. Of course, such symbols appear only at the beginning of esoteric training. 
esotericists who have progressed further, will not see these images anymore, but will sense how their etheric body grows ever more out into the cosmos, and how the individual organs of their physical body send out streams into cosmic space. They will feel themselves to be cosmic beings. We have also said that the feelings of the esotericists change. In the Essene order which existed during the time of Jesus, and wherein Jesus remained for a time, there were two rules. First, the Essene brothers were not allowed to speak of worldly things between sundown and sunrise. Those who had reached a higher level were to go further, and also not think worldly thoughts during that time. As long as the day star, the sun, stood in the heavens, they could occupy themselves with worldly thoughts, but they had to shut them out when the sun went down. The second rule was that before sunrise they were to ask the sun to rise, and in the evening they were to thank it for having shone. People today will not be able to follow these rules to the same extent. However, must we not also be just as grateful as the Essene brothers who were filled with gratitude and reverence in their anticipation of the sun's appearance, that we return to our physical bodies in the morning. For it was no more certain for the Essenes that the sun would rise again than it is that modern human beings will return to their physical bodies. Materialists know nothing about this. But as esotericists you have heard that our physical body template was built throughout the Saturn sun and moon periods by all of the spiritual beings that stand above us. They made the human being so artfully by bringing in the cosmic forces of all the ages. The gods have built this temple for the soul. This temple arose out of the spiritual. Out of God we are born. There is yet a second feeling that we must develop. Formerly there was the remnant of a primordial divine substance into which human beings poured themselves after death. Through this they kept their consciousness intact. The divine substance became less and less. This differed from epoch to epoch and with individual nations, but in the fourth post-Atlantean epoch it was almost completely lost. Not the eye, but the souls were affected by this loss. The Greeks were conscious of this and said, quote, Better a beggar in the overworld than a king in the realm of shades. Close quote. But this substance was built anew through the mystery of Golgotha. Now we enter into the Christ substance after death and again become conscious there. As Adam is the progenitor of our physical body, so is Christ the progenitor of our souls. In Christ we die. However, because the name is so sacred to us that we dare not to speak it, we say only, quote, in blank we die. Close quote. When through the Christ force we attain consciousness after death, we have not yet achieved self-consciousness. We certainly recognize the things around us, but we cannot behold ourselves. We can achieve this only if we prepare ourselves on earth. Just as we can find a button here in the physical world when we have consciously placed it in a certain place, 
so is it also the same with finding ourselves after death. We cannot expect to remember what we have not done with full consciousness. We are given methods for attaining this through the teachings of Rosicrucian theosophy. If we seek to understand the spirit of the theosophical worldview, if we fill ourselves thoroughly with the spiritual, the spirit will awaken in the life after death. In the spirit we are reborn. Let us sense that this Rosicrucian mantra is not an ordinary saying, but was given to us by the masters of wisdom and the harmony of feelings. They infused cosmic forces into this mantra. The mantra does not exist in order to be just spoken, but to be experienced. Through years of practicing it, we will reap ever more knowledge from it. Trained esotericists behold how the etheric body of those who have immersed themselves in this mantra begins to widen ever more and begins to unite with the forces of the macrocosm. Thereby their organs become force centers into which the streams from the spiritual world flow. Let us penetrate ourselves with this mantra when we are inwardly still and composed. And when we need to be comforted, when we are depressed, this mantra will bring us courage and strength. However, let us not use it only as a remedy to bring us comfort, but also when our soul is completely peaceful, then this mantra will become ever more our friend and helper on our esoteric path. The end of Record A. Record B. Even when beginning esotericists think that they are making no progress. This is absolutely no proof that there has been no progress. Often they simply do not notice it. They often complain that they fall asleep during their evening exercises. It can happen, however, that they notice later, when they wake up, that they had continued their exercises in a different state of consciousness. The remembering of the continuation of the exercises in another state of consciousness is very important. Precisely such remembering can carry more weight than the simple practice of one's exercises in day-waking consciousness. Esotericists must also pay attention to their dream life. They can then sometimes see their body in a symbolic form just before awakening, either as a house into which they must enter, as a grave. This vision comes to those who think often on death or the transience of earthly life, or as an angel with a chalice in hand. This comes to those with a basic religious mood and who are aware that the body is created by the gods. Later esotericists will behold their body more realistically and they will see how different it is from the maya of the physical world. They will then see the physical and etheric bodies expand extensively. They will see how the heart grows like a tree out of the whole universe while the head spans half of the cosmos like the starry heavens. It will take a long time, however, for the esotericist to progress from beholding the symbols at the beginning of this vision. We can transform for our own esoteric life our thoughts about the first Essene commandment that they should not occupy themselves with worldly things from sundown to sunrise and for the higher degrees they were not even to think about worldly things. 
so that we enter into sleep with a sacred feeling. And the second is seen commandment, that they ask the sun to rise every morning, can be transformed by us into a feeling of sacredness and gratitude toward the gods who gave us our body. It is through our gratitude that we find our way back into our body every morning. When we rightly realize that without our physical body it would be impossible for us to develop consciousness upon awakening, we can then feel gratitude for finding our body again. We can then think with reverence upon the mantra, Out of God we are born, and bring this into connection with a sacred feeling toward our body, which was bestowed upon us by the gods. When we contemplate the E-D-N in this way, we can make a wonderful discovery that shortly before we awaken, we pray that we might find our body again. This discovery that we pray in this other state of consciousness in which we dwell before awakening is of great significance. The E-D-N with gratitude for our body. In contemplating the I-C-M, we can feel the same gratitude for the spiritual substance that we immerse ourselves in upon awakening in our physical body, which does the same thing for us in death that it does for us when we awaken. This spiritual substance, which had exhausted itself before the mystery of Golgotha, is now the Christ substance. We must also learn to develop our self-consciousness. We will accomplish this when we take the theosophical teachings into ourselves more and more as a living power. These theosophical concepts are living forces, and depending on how our soul life is formed by them, we will also maintain our consciousness in the life after death if we remember all that we have learned there is truth. This is the Holy Spirit, P-S-S-R. Thus, by meditating this mantra, which is the crux of Rosicrucian esotericism, we receive more and more strength from it. The more we meditate this mantra, this truly magical saying, the more it brings us into connection with spiritual forces and spiritual beings, and this living together with the spiritual worlds will develop. Also, when we are sad and weighed down and depressed, this mantra can bring us comfort and strength. It will succeed if we also work with it when we are joyful and composed when we live with this mantra in such a way that it becomes the path upon which the angels also come to us. Thus can our teachings build us up spiritually and create our soul life anew. And we will become ever more conscious of the sacredness of everything and will, with devout and composed feelings, live into the mantra E-D-N-I-C-M-P-S-S-R the end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Berlin on February 8, 1913, Record A. My dear sisters and brothers, when we observe all and practice all that has been given in the lectures, the mystery dramas, and the esoteric lessons, when we carry all of that out with complete devotion, we can enter very, very far into the high spiritual worlds. Modern humanity does not need more than this to reach the high spiritual worlds. We must give ourselves totally to meditation, concentration, and contemplation, 
We must leave everything else outside of this. Only through strict adherence to the given instructions can something be attained. The time spent in meditation should be regarded as something beautiful and sublime in our esoteric life. In meditating we must first immerse ourselves totally in the content of the exercise. We must empty our soul of all ordinary everyday thoughts and feelings and live in the content of the given exercise. Then we must empty our consciousness of all content, also of the content of the meditation, and then listen and watch. This is quite difficult. This is true. Some maintain that they hear their blood pulsing through their body and that bothers them. May they hear the blood pulsing. May they listen to that. Then they will sense the life in the blood and in the nerves and thereby perceive a part of the life within. Exoteric life takes its course in the world of understanding. By our standing before an object, looking at it, and forming a concept of it, we understand it. The process is different in meditation. Through meditation we enter into a different world. There we have our imaginations, our thoughts and our concepts before us. They are outside of us. We know that we are connected with them. We cannot get rid of them. We run after them. Thoughts rise up out of the depths of the soul, and we see a beast of prey as if it would devour them. We bind ourselves completely with the thoughts, and so on. Thus here, with meditation, we experience, whereas in exoteric life we understand. We are, here in meditation, in the world of experiencing. We must take care not to immediately form concepts about what approaches us thusly in this world. We should only open ourselves, listen, feel into what wants to stream into our soul. This builds the lotus blossom, the chakra, so that it can become active. Still further along, we enter the world of bliss or the world of forms, but only for those who have made themselves ready, mature enough for this experience, is it the world of bliss. For those who are not yet properly developed, it is a world full of horror and dreadful things, and it crushes them. For the unprepared, love turns into hate, and beauty turns into ugliness. Here they will like what they found revolting before, and so on. Everything is warped and distorted. Only those who go through the training of self-knowledge are truly prepared and developed enough to properly experience the world of forms. What did the gods do to protect us from experiencing this world of forms before we were ready? They gave us pleasure, pleasure in the joy of creating and working here in the physical world. What we find beautiful in a piece of art for instance by Raphael or Leonardo da Vinci, is not what is lasting in it. The piece of art itself, such as presented or intimated in the third mystery drama with the two paintings by Raphael and Leonardo da Vinci, is also not the element that is lasting. What is eternal is the spiritual process that went on in the artist's soul while creating the artwork. The spiritual process out of which the peace was created. 
What is God's presence in the world of Maya? What must now be said will sound quite paradoxical. It is not God that we experience in the spring with its building up forces, with its sprouting and forming of shoots, or in all of its beauty and radiance. But rather, God is really working where we see devastating nature forces, in the storms in the fall, in all the smashing, destroying and crushing. God is there within it. It sounds terrible and distressing, but it is true. God is most effective in everything that is wrecking and smashing. Joy in creating in the physical world is given to us to protect us from entering too soon into the world of forms, the world of bliss. We, in our day-waking consciousness, are separated from it, as though by a thin layer of ice. When we are involved with esoteric training, we should not introduce these esoteric teachings into our exoteric life, nor should we want to arrange our exoteric life according to these teachings. That would lead to distortion, absurdity, and error. Our training in the exoteric life must proceed out of exoteric pedagogical principles. It should become an ideal that the esoteric life proceeds quite independently on its own. Just as we should remain calm and composed and not become, in quotes, beside ourselves in relation to all the events and thoughts in our daily life, so too we must maintain composure, absolute composure, in relation to the world of spiritual experiencing. We must be able to remain calm and composed in the face of everything in both worlds. Through correct thinking into, feeling into, and living into the three mantras, it thinks me, it weaves me, it works me, we achieve this calmness and composure. We accomplish this by letting these mantras pass through our soul again and again. Then we will rightly understand our Rosicrucian mantra, quote, Out of God we are born, in Christ we die, in the Spirit we are reborn. Close quote. End of record A. Record B. Everything that is necessary for us to progress in esoteric development has already been said in our esoteric contemplations and actually in everything that has been communicated outside of the esoteric lessons. It depends upon each of us as to whether we have the necessary patience, attention and perseverance to attain the goal of reaching into the spiritual world. No word in these esoteric contemplations is without significance, and everyone can receive from them what we need for our own development. We can each sense something personal in them, something for each one in particular, because in fact there is something personal for each of us contained within them. When we allow these ideas, together with all that has been given in the individual lectures and lecture cycles, to work further into our soul, it will bring us the greatest spiritual growth possible for us in this incarnation. What we especially need for our esoteric development is patience. We need the patience to ever again completely empty our soul, so that we can grasp 
the more intense experiences that take place in the depth of our soul. If we pay close enough attention, we will notice how our soul life gradually changes. For instance, we will notice that we no longer think simply in concepts, that we actually become what we are thinking. Experiencing replaces understanding. When we are totally still within ourselves, we will then also sense that it is as if there were beings there, so to speak, like beasts of prey that want to steal or devour our thoughts. At first it is often such that when we become quite still in our meditation, we sense nothing other than the murmur of our blood, the effects of the blood and nervous system, the flowing of a fine fluid around the nerves. That is also correct. Through the stream of the blood we come into the realm of experiencing, where we actually live our experiencing. It can happen that immediately after meditation we do not find such thoughts that we ourselves have become, but that we find them within us unexpectedly at another time. Such experiencing is of much greater significance than the mere beholding of visions which will come later of its own accord. We must ascend to a yet higher world, the actual spiritual world. Our ordinary intellectual comprehension actually casts a veil over everything that lies behind the physical world, and this is a blessing for human beings. For we must be completely prepared in order to come into contact with the spiritual world without harsh consequences arising for our ordinary life. If we are not prepared enough, what we are and feel as ordinary human beings can change into the exact opposite. If in ordinary life, for instance, we love someone very much, it can happen that, but only when the training was not the correct one, after our ascent into the spiritual world, we begin to hate that person. Or our courage can change into fear. Or what was formerly pleasant and agreeable to us becomes highly unpleasant and disagreeable. In order to understand this, we must become conscious of the fact that in our ordinary life, for our own well-being, the pleasure we find in things veils deeper-lying forces. The manner in which the works of Raphael and Leonardo da Vinci are presented in the third scene of the mystery drama titled The Guardian of the Threshold expresses much of significance, for in the artwork there is something eternal. It is not the artwork itself. Rather, it is in the creative forces that worked in the soul of the artist. Everything that appears as beauty on earth is transitory. And when we are enjoying this beauty, the pleasure veils the eternal for us. Where do we find the eternal working forces? Where do we find God most apparent in the physical world? Is it where we see sprouting and blossoming? what is rising to the surface of the earth? No, we see God most intensively where we see form being destroyed, where the outer beauty disappears. In the sprouting and blossoming, we see the end or result of the path of God. In the physical world, God is most active and effective where we see destruction and death.
This appears to be a great paradox when we think about divine love. It is given here as a first remark about something for a meditation content, out of which great conclusions are to be drawn, but about which we may not yet speak. Only this one intimation may be spoken. Those who have not attained full calmness and composure in the face of all experiences in the physical world cannot sustain and maintain themselves in the spiritual world. For them love changes into hate, courage changes into fear, and so on. Those who have decided to make great strides in their esoteric life must be seriously cautious that they do not change anything regarding their ordinary daily life. They should first of all remain what they have become through their disposition and karma. Outer life should remain as unchanged as possible, and when changes must be made, they should be caused not by the esoteric life, but rather by the circumstances of exoteric life. Those who, for instance, notice in their exoteric life that they are unloving or unkind should find help for this through exertion in their outer life but should not expect any help in this regard from the esoteric life. When we can always maintain our calmness and composure and immerse ourselves repeatedly in the given meditation, parenthesis, it thinks me, it weaves me, it works me, we will then bring the right forces with us to be able to sustain ourselves in the spiritual world. The end of record B. Record C. For our esoteric development, we need, above all, patience. We need the patience to repeatedly empty our soul of content in order to be able to grasp the finer experiences that appear. If we are quite attentive, we will notice how our soul life has changed. We will notice, for instance, that we no longer think in concepts the way we used to. We notice, rather, that we really are what we think. In the place of understanding, comes experiencing. We will then become aware when we wish to quietly experience our thoughts within us that beings, as if they were beasts of prey, want to tear away our thoughts and devour them. At first it is often the case that when we become quite still after our meditation, we notice nothing but the murmur of our blood, the processes in the blood and nerves, the flowing of the fine fluid around the nerves. However, that is good. By way of the stream of the blood, we then come into the realm of experiencing, where we truly live our experiencing. It can also happen that after meditation we do not immediately find the thoughts that we experienced and which we have completely become, but later, at another time, and often unexpectedly. This experiencing is of much greater significance than the clear-seeing of visions, which ensues of itself. However, we must enter into a still higher world, the actual spiritual world. Our ordinary intellectual concepts actually cast a veil over what stands behind the physical world, and this is a grace, because we must be quite prepared in order to come into contact with the deeper-lying world without it having harsh consequences for our ordinary life. If we are not well prepared, it is possible that everything we are and feel becomes the opposite. For instance, after our entering into the spiritual world, 
can happen that, but only if the training is not correct, we hate someone whom we loved before entering the spiritual world, and our courage can turn into fear. We also can develop a preference for something that we otherwise found to be objectionable. In order to understand this, we must grasp the fact that in ordinary life, our experience of pleasure in things veils the deeper-lying forces for our own good. The way the paintings by Raphael and da Vinci are represented entitled The Guardian of the Threshold is very meaningful. The eternal element of the artwork is not within the paintings themselves, but in the creative forces that worked in the artist's souls. Everything that appears on earth as beauty is transient, and while we enjoy the beauty, the pleasure veils what is eternal. Where do we find the eternal spiritual forces most clearly in our physical world? Do we see them where there is sprouting and blossoming on the surface? Or where we see form being destroyed, where outer beauty disappears? The spirit is active in the latter. In our physical world, the spirit works in the annihilating, destroying element. For this reason, it is true that those who enter the spiritual world in a wrong way cannot sustain themselves, and this causes them to hate where they formerly loved, to fear where they were formerly courageous, and so on. Because of this, it is necessary that complete composure is attained upon entering into the spiritual worlds, and that those who have made the decision, quote, now I want to progress quite far in my esoteric striving, close quote, must always be absolutely careful not to change anything that has to do with ordinary life, regarding their love, their courage, their inclinations, etc. As far as possible, the outer life should remain the same. When changes must be made in the outer life, they should not be caused by the esoteric life, but by exoteric circumstances. When we remain continually calm and composed and immerse ourselves, for instance in the given mantra, it thinks me, it weaves me, it works me. We will also bring with us the necessary strength to protect and preserve ourselves in the spiritual world. Every word of these esoteric lessons is significant, and everyone can receive from them what is necessary for spiritual development. Everyone can find something personal within these lessons because within them is something directed to each individual. Letting the ideas and stimuli connected with all that is given in the lecture cycles work further upon our soul can bring us to the greatest spiritual growth that is possible in our current incarnation. The end of Record C. Record D. The meditation content given in the esoteric lessons and in the lecture cycles, is strong enough to lead the meditant into the spiritual world. But the meditant must understand how to transform understanding and recognizing into experiencing. After letting go of the content of the meditation, many feel the pulsing of the blood and the relaying of the nerve impulses. By way of this stream, esotericists must reach the world of effects. 
We tread through Maya on a thin layer of ice under which is the pulsating spiritual reality. If human beings now proceed with composure, in this way they can enter into the second world where they experience their thoughts. They see them, as it were, from outside. The thoughts go out. And it is as if these thoughts were being pulled back and forth and were being devoured by beasts of prey. From here we reach, after further practice, the third world. This world has a confusing and destructive effect upon those who enter it without due maturity, without enough preparation, and without composure. This world can be a blessing to those who live into it with patience and with a proper training. Those who are unprepared experience their feelings change. Perhaps in their outer life they have developed a great love for someone. In the spiritual world this love changes into hate. Where they loved, they must hate. Thus joy can turn into disgust. Pleasure is a protection in life. When we consider the building up and the tearing down, destructive forces in the world, we see the divine working more in the destructive element. Ever again the divine smashes the maya so that human beings can learn to see through it. The paintings of Raphael and of Leonardo da Vinci are maya as compared to the soul experiences of these artists. Their soul experiences have eternal value. As esotericists, we must not allow ourselves to feel impatience, but rather we must practice calmness and composure. After the meditation, we must give ourselves over to inner composure for a while. This builds and strengthens the lotus flower. It would be most ideal if esotericists would leave their outer life unchanged, and if powers were to come to them out of their esoteric life, they would spiritualize the duties in their daily life. Changes in the outer life should come only in this way. The end of Record D, the end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Stuttgart, February 17th through the 20th, 1913. Record A, Es denkt mich, it thinks me, E-D-N. Out of a mystical mission, a quite specific language is given for Central Europe. In this language, every individual sound, as well as the sequence of sounds, expresses something esoteric. For instance, in the sentence, Es denkt mich, the broad E expresses the prevailing, weaving, creating divine in the world order and in the human being. The stretched and lengthened S expresses the winding, surging, rising and falling, welling up and down as in a wave, astral element, as it were. Mich means our I. Thus the divine thinks us in the I. Parenthesis empty the soul of content and feel deepest devotion. Close parenthesis. The Second mantra is, Es webt mich, it weaves me. Again, the divine forces are in the E and the astral is in the S. And there should be a feeling of reverence and devotion or prayerfulness. 
Now, there is another exercise, another meditation. The ancient Essenes were given the rules that between sundown and sunrise they were not to speak of material things, and that every morning before sunrise they were to fervently beseech the spiritual world to let the sun rise, and then to give thanks to the Godhead that it caused the sun to rise. There was even a specific formalized prayer for this, quote, You gods, I thank you, close quote. Modern human beings can no longer practice these wonderful, elevating customs and meditations. Esotericists must be completely truthful, truthful right to the depths of their heart. It would be a falsehood if modern esotericists were to beseech in fervent prayer for the sun to rise, and then to want to give thanks that it did. At the time of the ancient Essenes, Human beings still had the view that in the cosmic system the course of the stars was subject to the will of divine beings. And they had the view that it was possible that one morning the sun might not rise. This exercise has no meaning for modern human beings. Thus it would be untruthful if esotericists wanted to do this practice. Even the first practice between sundown and sunrise is no longer possible today. However, today's esotericists know that every night the astral body and I leave the physical body and etheric body. Now, the esotericists must first of all bring the imagination before their soul that a demon takes control of the physical body and etheric body and that in the morning the astral body and I can no longer move into their home again. Upon awakening, esotericists should call up the question in their soul But what did you do or think just before awakening? The advanced esotericists do this with full consciousness. At first you cannot remember that you thought or did anything, but after giving yourself up to this thought for a longer time, there comes at first flitting by and then taking on an ever more fixed form the thought, You have thanked the Godhead that you were allowed to move back into and enliven again the body they have built. Out of the divine we are born. E-D-N We should repeat this sentence, this triad, every morning, and we should experience therewith the feeling of deepest gratitude. The Godhead has built up the temple of our body, During the Saturn, Sun, and Moon periods of evolution, the Godhead built our physical body, etheric body, and astral body. Thus we attain our consciousness again every morning. When we cross the threshold of death, we enter into a different condition of consciousness. The ancient Atlanteans still had a bright, clairvoyant consciousness. At death, these old Atlanteans were fully conscious when they entered the spiritual world. This consciousness was gradually lost, and in the fourth post-Atlantean age everything after death became shadowy. Fear of the unknown, shadowy condition was so strong that in this period the words were coined, quote, better a beggar in the overworld than a king in the realm of shades. Close quote. The Christ event changed this. By taking Christ into ourselves we can again achieve the ability to consciously enter the spiritual world after death. 
Into Christ we die. I C M. We must meditate this triad only while we are having the deepest feeling of devotion in our heart. And now we must attain consciousness of our divine I. Our I must, so to speak, be born again. Per spiritum sanctum revivissimus. P S S R. End of record A. Record B. Extract. We must become conscious of the fact that spiritual mysteries are hidden in the individual sounds of mantric words. Initiates gave, out of a mystical mission, a specific language for Central Europe. In this language, every individual sound and the sequence of the individual sounds express something esoteric, such as in the little word Ich that contains the initials of Christ. Let us look at the first sentence. Es denkt mich. It thinks me. We must sense the E is a long, broadening E. It expresses the reigning, creating divinity in the cosmic order and in the human being. The S, spoken so that it is lengthened, is the astral element that winds and surges through everything, as it were. For mich, me, we could also inwardly imagine mein ich, my I, thus. The divine thinks my I. After that one empties the soul and has therewith the feeling of deepest devoutness. Es webt mich. This means the divine weaves my I. Again we experience the divine forces in the elongated E and the astral in the S. With this we sense the feeling of deepest gratitude. Es wirkt mich. This means that the divine works my eye. Again, sense the divine forces in the E and the astral in the S. With this we sense the feeling of deepest reverence and devotion. The end of record, record B. Record C. Out of a mystical mission, a certain language was given for Central Europe. In this language, every sound, just as the sequence of sounds, expresses something esoteric. An example is the sentence, Es denkt mich, it thinks me. There the E is elongated twice as much as usual. That is the expression of the reigning, weaving, creating divinity, that streams out of the divine cosmic order into the human being. The S, elongated in speaking it, is the surging, weaving astral that winds through everything. Mich, that means my Ich, thus the divine thinks my I. When we meditate this, we should empty the soul and have only the deepest feeling of devoutness. The second Mantric sentence is Es webt mich, it weaves me. Again, sense the divine forces in the E and the astral in the S and have with this the deepest feeling of reverence and devotion. Today's esotericists know that every night the astral body and I leave the physical body and the etheric body. Now we must imagine that a demon has taken over the physical and etheric bodies so that the eye and astral body cannot enter again into their homes. 
As we awaken, we should ask ourselves inwardly, What have I thought and done shortly before awakening? The advanced esotericists do this with full consciousness. At first we cannot remember that we have thought or done anything at all. However, after we have given ourselves over to this thought for quite a while, there comes at first flitting by, but then taking on more shape, the thought, you have thanked the Godhead that you were allowed to move back into and occupy the temple of the body which they built. From God we are born. Ex Deo Nasimur. E. D. N. We should repeat this sentence, this triad, every morning and should feel therewith the deepest gratitude that we have again sent our I-consciousness, earth, into the temple which the Godhead built for us throughout the Saturn, Sun and Moon evolutionary periods. We do not have our earthly I-consciousness after death. The ancient Atlanteans entered the spiritual world with a bright clairvoyant consciousness, in the post-Atlantean epoch, however, this consciousness was lost to the same degree that the earthly eye-consciousness lit up. In the fourth post-Atlantean age, the fear of the shadowy consciousness, the unknown circumstance, was so great that the statement was coined, quote, better a beggar in the overworld than a king in the realm of shades, close quote. Everything became shadow-like after death. Through the Christ event this changed, and by taking Christ into ourselves, we can enter consciously into the spiritual world after death. This is the meaning of I-C-M. We must meditate this triad with the feeling of deepest devoutness. Consciousness of the divine I helps us with this. This consciousness must be born in us, so that through this consciousness we can enter into the spiritual world. P-S-S-R E-I I equals revealing into the human being of the divine before which timid reverence draws back. O-E equals expresses the above even more so. Human beings feel themselves enclosed in their form and feel the active Godhead outside. End of record C and the end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric Lesson, given in Berlin on March 12, 1913, Record A. It is our task in these esoteric lessons to become clear about our meditation. We must expect and be prepared that things will be different from what we had previously thought. Esotericists must relearn things. Even in our daily life we must change our concepts and must value things differently and give them a different significance than we have up until now. We will see, for instance, how this can be the case with our exercises. Often people complain about falling asleep with the evening exercise. Esotericists have the tendency to think of this as a shortcoming. In truth, it is different. Falling asleep can even mean progress. Naturally, we must make an effort to stay awake when doing the exercise or meditation. When, however, we are overcome with sleep in spite of this, it is not an error. It can even be that the exercise continues after we have fallen asleep. 
When we awaken in the night or in the morning, we should try to remember where the exercise broke off. Then we will feel as if the exercise might have continued, as if something had worked further in us. This can then gradually become progress and can eventually bring about entry into the spiritual world. We are always told that those who are trained must be fully conscious in the spiritual world. Yet it can also happen that human beings are at first only half-conscious in the spiritual world. This is not an error. If the students try afterward in waking life to fully consciously remember what occurred during their sleep, Students lose their consciousness and fall asleep so easily because everything we experience in the physical world is maya, and what we would experience without our being prepared in the spiritual world would shatter us. For this reason, the higher beings dull down our consciousness until we have enough strength to face the shattering experiences and are able to bear them. We fall asleep because we are not yet allowed to experience these things. When, through our dreams and experiences, we have become developed enough to bear what is so shattering, then it does not appear to us to be so terrible. We are so surrounded by maya that we are caught up in it, in everything we are and do. When we consider, for instance, the four little statements that people always hold to be true, we can see immediately how the words we use daily deceive us. The four sentences are, I am, I think, I feel, and I will. Of all of these, only the first is really true, I am. We become thus aware that our thoughts are mostly not thought by us, but are imposed upon us from outside, through social relationships, through our surroundings, and through other circumstances. Human beings are stimulated from outside to think this or that, to feel or to do. It is a great illusion when we say, I think, I feel, or I will. If human beings had become what the progressing hierarchies had intended, everything would have been different. Then during sleep, human beings would have experienced an imaginative world. Of course, it would have been different from what it was on the ancient moon. During the day, people would have remembered the pictures that they had seen in this condition. The images would have accompanied them and would have fructified them during their life. However, Lucifer took ownership of our thoughts and thereby dulled our imaginative world. He thinks in everything in us. When we enter the spiritual world and attain spiritual sight, we experience what Lucifer thinks in us. And that is something quite shattering. For this reason, the good divine beings veil Lucifer from us in order to protect us. Thus, it is not Lucifer who darkens our night consciousness. So we see how wrong it is to say, I think. Esotericists can also recognize it so clearly when they do their meditation. Thoughts bombard them. And no matter what they do, they cannot get rid of them. They are very sad because it goes so poorly, but yet they experience that they do not think the thoughts, which are so much stronger than they themselves are. They even see that 
their so often incomprehensible dreams come to them from outside. In reality, most, about two-thirds of our thoughts, come from Lucifer. Lucifer thinks in the human being. Human beings have formed absolutely false ideas about thinking. The value of thinking does not lie in how much we learn, how much we understand, and how much we know, but rather how we progress through thinking, what forces we develop through thinking. We can see this, for instance, with scholars who know quite a lot, and yet from the spiritual standpoint are no further along than they were as students. One says of such people that they are dried up, and the clairvoyant can see how in reality the astral body is shrunken, contracted. We should not say, I think, but Lucifer thinks in me. If Lucifer had not intervened, when human beings, while they were awake, had wanted something, they would have had memory pictures that would have led them rather than outer circumstances. When we become aware that other beings think in us, we can then say, It thinks me. This can have a good effect on us if we connect the correct feeling of devotion with it. With the second statement, I feel, it is easier to see that it is totally false. We do not bring about the drives and desires that live in us. For the most part, they rule us. Two-thirds of these feelings, in the best of cases one-half, come from Luciferic and Aramonic beings through the Maya of the outer sense world. It would have been quite different with human feeling if the progressive developing hierarchies had been the only ones to work in it. Then human beings would have been in a world of archetypes. For instance, they would have seen the archetype of a flower. When they then would have seen the flower during the day, they would have seen along with it and at the same time the archetype of the flower as etheric forces that swirl around the plant. Forces also weave through human beings in this way. And when we make this into our feeling and our view, it can have a good effect on us. We can recognize the plant as something related to us in its being and nature. And we can bring the belonging together of all beings to consciousness in the mantric words, It weaves me. However, this must take place with the right feeling, the feeling of gratitude. The last statement, I will, is the most obvious that it is an illusion. We need only a little exoteric self-knowledge to see that it is actually absurd to say, I will. If only the progressing hierarchies had worked on the human being, this illusion would not have come about. This illusion occurred because of the Aramonic influences. The whole outer world is Maya. When we have before us a cut flower, that flower is not the truth. A flower is the truth only when it is connected with its root and is in the soil. It is the same with the human being. The human being is not in truth to be thought of as separate from the rest of the world. Just as the plant is connected with the earth, so is the human being connected with the cosmos and its forces. Only through the Aramonic forces did the human being enter into the Maya, feeling the self as a single separated being. If human beings had become what the progressing hierarchies had intended, 
they would have always been aware that cosmic forces stream through them. Esotericists can become conscious of this. They can feel themselves connected with these cosmic forces and can imagine themselves in these weaving cosmic forces that hold sway and take effect through their wave-like surging power. These words were not selected out of emotion, but they contain the feeling that they should awaken in us. And our will impulses should be influenced by the active working cosmic beings when we say, It works me. Yet this mantra must be connected with the feeling of reverence. Esotericists can use these three formulas. It thinks me with devoutness. It weaves me with gratitude. It works me with devoted reverence in various ways as meditation, either together or singly, at various times of the day, and also in between other activities. They can have a great effect on meditants. There have been people who have worked with these formulas for their whole life and have progressed quite far through them. The central meditation for the esotericist, however, should always be the ten words with which we close the studies, the Rosicrucian mantra. We must feel how these words were selected out of wisdom, so that already in the sound we can instinctively grasp the deeper meaning. It is not without reason that the mantra begins with two E's, ex deo. For with these words it is said that upon awakening human beings descend out of a divine spiritual world and are born in their physical body. And this physical body is not, as is often believed, something low or base. What remains on the bed when we vacate it in sleep is base only because we have made it so through our various incarnations in the stream of heredity. The body, as it was originally given to us, is a temple, a great work of art. And how the human being senses this in returning it to the physical body upon awakening is expressed in the two E's, in ex deo. The vowel E always signifies a joyful awe. The O in deo signifies the soul embracing the physical body and the etheric body. The sound O always means an embracing. However, another feeling connects with this, a kind of shy pulling back with trembling. This lies in the A in Nasimur. The I of this word expresses the I or self-consciousness which awakens through the entry into the physical body and etheric body. The U of the last syllable signifies the completion of the union. In the following three words, the middle word always remains unspoken because we should then fill ourselves with what should not even be intimated with sense-perceptible sounds. In these words we should experience, not just intellectually but in feeling, already in the sound of the letters, how the human being, when leaving the body, flows into Christ, flows into the spiritual world. In the I, in in, we feel the being of the human being that is lifting out. In the O of Moramur, the receptive spiritual world prepared to embrace the being of the human. The then I and you follow again, in which we can experience the accomplished envelopment of the I by Christ. 
In the last four words, the consonants play the main role. The P and R of per signify something that is placed in a certain relationship to something else. In this case, it is the soul that has entered into a relationship with the spiritual world. Both S's at the beginning of the following words are the swinging and vibrating of the soul, the wave-like weaving of the spirit in the soul, which is expressed in the physical and shows itself in the form of the spine. In the two T's is expressed the individual being of the human being living in the spirit. In the R of the last word is expressed the purely spiritual, the absolute, the quiet willing out of which springs forth the surging spirit world that speaks again in the two S's of this last word. Thus we have in the sounds of these ten words something that should take effect in our feeling, if we comprehend it in the right way. Much in this lesson has already been spoke about. It must simply be looked at from various standpoints. The end of record A, and then record B is very short. Es denkt mich, it thinks me. Es webt mich, it weaves me. Es wirkt mich, it works me. We should have the feeling as of a warming, light-filled spirit body that is brought into being for us by the power of the mantra. Lucifer approaches us at the moment of going to sleep. Araman approaches us when the astral body and I leave the physical body. The end of record B, the end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Berlin on March 16, 1913. Record A. First Oda Waller was spoken of. She became so intimately connected and completely related to our movement in such a short time because she actually belonged to the future time when our movement will come into its own. It was said that Dr. Steiner was able to hold her funeral in the mood of the words, quote, we will remain loyal to her just as she was loyal to us, Close quote. Expressions in ordinary life that are actually maya are, I think, I feel, I will. Only when we say I am do we say something that is true. Regarding our thoughts, we can often notice how they press themselves upon us when we actually want to shut them out. This proves that we ourselves do not think, but that something else thinks in us. If only the progressive good gods had worked in us, we would never have had the illusion that we think. At night, instead of falling into deep, dreamless sleep, we would have seen around us a great imagination of our thoughts and ideas, but they would have been completely imbued with the life, with the substance of the higher beings. During the day we would have remembered, and always known, that actually the life of a higher being is in our thoughts. However, Lucifer worked and wove himself into our thought life, and in this case during the day we would have constantly experienced that Lucifer thinks in us as something terrible. To protect the human being from this, unconscious sleep overcomes us at night, and we live in the Maya idea that we ourselves think. But we must, as esotericists, learn to look the truth in the eye, EYE, and we 
receive the strength to bear the thought that Lucifer thinks in us when we with constant devoutness, completely imbued with devoutness, meditate the mantric sentence, It thinks me. It is simpler in our feeling life than it is in our thought life to recognize that we are not the ruler. Feelings rush up in us and we often cannot control them much. If also here our development had remained connected only with the progressive powers, then in the night we would have had seen in imaginations how our feelings are of the same substance as the life that weaves through nature's life realm. We would see the etheric archetypes of the plants totally different than the physical plants. And we would know that what pulses through the etheric life realm is also in our feelings. We would remember this during the day when looking at outer nature. However, Araman intervened in all of this. And so we can say that Araman lives in a best-case scenario in two-thirds, but most of the time in three-fourths of our feelings, with the benevolent gods living in only a quite small part. We would have seen this in imagination during the night because we would have remained conscious. And during the day when looking at outer nature, we would have known that Araman lives in our feelings, which are related to the weaving of the life realm. And we would feel in a terrible way that Araman feels in us. Again, in order to develop the strength to bear this truth, we must meditate the sentence, It weaves me with intense gratitude toward the good gods who have not totally abandoned us. Regarding our will impulses, it is more than clear that our will is almost always determined by causes outside of ourselves. The attractions and stimuli of the outer world drive us to our actions. Also here, if Lucifer and Araman had not intervened, we would have seen in the night the working of spiritual beings and we would have felt ourselves to be united, or one, with that activity. During the day we would have known nothing else than to work in harmony and unison with what the spiritual beings, the good gods, are wanting. Our will would have been the same as the will of the gods. However, Araman also influenced this, and we should see this fact and know it during the day. We receive the strength to bear it by meditating with deep reverence and adoration the statement, It works me. Thus we see that the expressions mentioned above, I think, I feel, I will, are given to us as maya in our ordinary life because we are not able to bear the truth. And the meditation of the mantra, It thinks me, It weaves me, it works me, can of its own accord, without other meditations, give the human being a mighty thrust forward into the spiritual world. The following concerning the letters in this mantra, in the German, is of importance. Es denkt mich, it thinks me, equals E, E, I, is the drawing near with awe and reverence to another being. The I means becoming one with this being that we are approaching. The D, Tao, however, indicates a feeling of still being secluded with reverence, 
from this being. In Es webt mich, it weaves me, we have the vowels E, E, I, but instead of the D there is the W, an approaching that is of a more intimate nature. We weave and undulate over into the other being. The wave-like nature of the W itself carries us over. In Es wirkt mich, it works me, everything is just the opposite. E-I-I. We are completely in the other being. We work upon ourselves from there. We have become completely one with this working and this being. The ten words of the Rosicrucian mantra are also ordered so that the letters are significant. In Ex Deo Nasimur there is the mood that we can feel with regard to our body upon our awakening. E-E-O-A-I-U In the E we have shyness and awe toward approaching our physical body and etheric body, which the gods built up over the course of great long cosmic periods. The O is the wanting to encompass. The A is the pulling back with a mighty reverence, as if these bodies were too great and holy to approach. The I signifies the wish to become one with the bodies, the U unites everything. In, and then in brackets, Christo, Moremur, is the sentence in which the one word is unspeakable. We could call this the post-mortem mood, the dying in Christ. I, I, O, O, I, U. Being one, encompassing, becoming completely one, all of it being united. Per spiritum sanctum revivissimus. This is the expression of the attaining of self-consciousness in the realm we enter after death. Here the consonants are of more importance. The PR signifies feeling placed within. The I stands for the I feeling, capital, for the realization of oneself as I. For self-consciousness in the post-mortem condition. The S is the form of the spine. Thus the masters have laid the mysteries of the creative word into this mantra, and still more mysteries are to be found within it, the tenfold nature of the human being. The end of record A. Record B. First, the death of Oda Valer was mentioned. It was said that she was one of those spirits who descended to earth earlier than is usually the case. For this reason she actually belonged to a later time, and like our whole movement never felt completely at home on the earth. Therefore she immersed herself deeply in our movement and also in such a very short time in the Christ impulse. She immersed herself so intimately with the Christ impulse that she could not live beyond the age at which Christ abandoned the physical body. It was her inmost wish to be surrounded by only theosophists when her body was to be buried, and this also happened. And so the main motif of the funeral could be, we will remain loyal to her as she was loyal to us. Much holds true for ordinary life that becomes quite different in the spiritual world. Thus here on earth we should always try to preserve and maintain life, even if it is our own. Nevertheless, it can happen that when someone 
who is connected with us in a sacred sense, is called by higher powers to abandon the body. Such a person can also become outside of the body our greatest helper. It is also not correct for us to think that it is always wrong to fall asleep in meditation. This can even mean the continuation of the meditation in another condition of consciousness. One of the things that has value only for ordinary life, but which is basically totally maya, is our habit of saying, I think, I feel, I will. Only when we say, I am, are we saying something that is correct. When we notice how thoughts work through us, we can bring to mind that the great cosmic spirits think in us and on through us. If only the regular progressing spirits, but and not Lucifer and Araman, had worked upon us instead of falling into a deep unconscious sleep in the night, we would see our thoughts and ideas as a great imagination before us. We would, however, see these thoughts and ideas thoroughly imbued with the substance of the higher spirits. We would then retain the memory of this during the day and would know that the spiritual beings think in us. Lucifer, however, intervened, and now it is almost exclusively Lucifer who thinks in us. And because we would otherwise see this at night, it is covered up so that we do not need to go around during the day with the memory that Lucifer thinks in us. We are protected by the Maya I think. As esotericists, we must contemplate all of this, and we achieve the strength to do this when we meditate, always with devotion. It thinks me. Still more difficult to differentiate is the Maya of I feel. We know that in the best of cases, we are the ruler over our feelings about two-thirds of the time. Mostly, however, it is about one-fourth. If Araman had not intervened, we would see our feelings at night in the form of the life that weaves in the great realm of plant life outside in nature. We would see the etheric archetypes of the plants totally different from the physical plants and our feelings weaving in them. We would remember this during the day when we look at outer nature. However, because Araman has had an effect, all of this is covered up for us. Otherwise, we would have the terrible experience in the night of seeing how Araman works in us and see during the day Araman weaving in nature. In order to receive the strength to bear this, we must meditate the following with gratitude for the good gods which also live in us. It weaves me. And also with regard to our will impulses, we know that it is maya when we say, I will. It would have to be said in connection with our will to action, quote, Araman wills in me, close quote. And the strength to bear this is given to us through the meditation, it works me. Each of these three mantras can bring us a great way forward in the spiritual world when they are always entirely imbued with the corresponding feelings. Also, the sequence of the letters in the German is of significance here. Es denkt mich, it thinks me, e 
E, I. The E refers to awe and reverence for everything that approaches us. The I refers to becoming one with the being we are approaching. Through the D in denkt, however, there is to be felt a separation still in the first two words. Es webt mich, it weaves me. Again the E, E, I, but A, W, in the place of the D, already shows less separation. One already weaves and undulates over into the other being. Es wirkt mich, it works me, E, I, I. Now it is just the opposite. One is in the other being and works from out of that being. Also, the ten words of our Rosicrucian mantra are ordered in this way. The letters E, E, O, A, I, U, ex deonasimor, out of God we are born. E, to approach the body with awe, as it was given to us by the gods. O, to encompass, to want, to embrace. A, to retreat in great reverence, as if the experience were great and sacred. I, to want to become one with. You, uniting all of the foregoing vowels. In the next one is I, I, O, O, I, U, in Christo morimur, in Christ we die, a post-mortem mood. Next one is P-S-S-R, per spiritum sanctum levivissimus, through the spirit we are reborn. Here the consonants are of more significance than the vowels. P-R, the feeling of being placed within. S, to realize oneself as an I, the I feeling, the self-consciousness post-mortem. Thus the masters of wisdom and harmony of feelings have laid the mystery of the creative word into this mantra. We cannot realize this in us enough, for there are still deeper mysteries in this mantra. Ten words, the tenfold nature of the human being, of which the fifth word is the unspeakable name. End of record B. Record C. The vowels of the Rosicrucian mantra. E-D-N. We come out of the spiritual world. We enter a sacred temple that the gods have built for us out of divine spiritual forces, the temple of the body. Sacred awe and admiration before the glory and magnificence is expressed in the E-D. And in the E-O lies the feeling of becoming encompassed by the temple of this body. The N-A expresses a certain fear in the feeling of one's own unworthiness. It is a pulling back in the face of the glory of the divine gift of this temple. In the I is expressed trusting surrender and devotion. And in the U is again the full uniting with the physical body, and along with it at the same time with the earth consciousness. I C M. The I sounding three times and strengthened ever anew, means the taking hold of our own inwardness, the immersing of ourselves, the wanting to become one with Christ. In the O and U 
lies the complete merging, the uniting of oneself with Christ. Through this mantra the post-mortem consciousness should be created. As the life in the physical body helps us to develop earthly consciousness, so, so does the dying into the Christ substance in the I-C-M help us to have post-mortem consciousness. P-S-S-R should produce self-consciousness. This means the consciousness of being able to live in the higher self which lifts itself out of the lower. Here it is not the vowels but the consonants that predominate. The S expresses the going forth of the human being out of the bosom of the gods. When the S resounded at one time through cosmic space, the human spine was created. However, the wave-like surging of the S is also the sign of Lucifer, the serpent. We must overcome the serpent in order to attain the reality of P-S-S-R. The end of Record C. Record D. A. Surrendering and willing, wanting. I. Full surrendering, becoming one. E. Prayerful, rapt, reverence toward the high divine beings. O. Encompassing lovingly. U. Uniting of all of the preceding vowels above. D or T. Standing on one's own. P. Confronting. W. Interweaving with the divine working. S. Knowing or consciousness connected with the spine. E-D-N, earthly consciousness. I-C-M, post-mortem consciousness. P-S-S-R, self-consciousness from one incarnation to another. The end of record D, record E. E, commanding awe-filled reverence. B, something individually defined by boundaries, self-contained. W, something wave-like, going without boundaries or limitations into the far distances. I, giving impulse. A, something insufficient or inadequate, connected with yearning. O, something encompassing. U, encompassing what is drawn more into the depths. Per, giving a connection. S, seeking the spiritual, also represented in the spine. The end of record E, the end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson, The Hague, March 21st, Good Friday, 1913. Our contemplation today shall be dedicated to how the soul can rise into the spiritual worlds. Those who do their exercises and meditations regularly with patience and enthusiasm will make progress. What matters is that we notice our progress. After the meditation, it is good to let a quiet mood take place, make the soul completely empty, and wait to see which imaginations come to us out of the higher worlds. Much depends on the mood, the attitude of our soul. We should approach our exercises only out of devoutness and joy and with great devotion. 
The experiences that take place are quite different according to each individuality and the karma of the meditant. Out of the multitude of possibilities, I would like to take up two today. One experience is being lifted out into space, into infinity. We feel ourselves as if expanded, as if lifted up. Naturally, an abandoning of the body is connected with this. At this lifting up, we see a reddening, yellow-red cloud come toward us. Gradually, figures crystallize out of these clouds. This experience creates a feeling of delight and blissfulness. Another experience that occurs is the diving and immersing ourselves into the depths. With this, we have the feeling of contraction, being tied up. The spiritual beings that we sense in this immersion appear in a blue-violet color gleam. They trigger in us a feeling of reverent shuddering and cause us to do a kind of self-examination. They show us what we really are with our failures and errors, all of our moral weaknesses in their total magnitude and reprehensible nature. Indeed, we are already led to this every evening in our backward review of the day. However, with our physical consciousness, we are not able to know it so clearly. These beings that surface out of the depths bring us also to see clearly what habitual errors and false thinking bring forth in us. The beings that appear in blue-violet light and that make our errors visible belong to the hierarchy of the angels, whereas the higher red-yellow light forms belong to the hierarchy of the archangels. These experiences can also approach us through other means, such as through sounds and tones, which is still more dreadful to bear, as our judgment is pronounced with the thunderous voice of the archangel. And when this hour of judgment comes, and that is after the meeting with the guardian of the threshold, we must have overcome our fear. Another example will be given to make sure this is understood. The imaginations can also show something different. We can see that the figures ascending in blue-violet colors out of the depths have worried, pain-filled countenances. These high beings feel sadness and distress because of our errors. This awakens in us a feeling of boundless shame. When human beings truly grasp their errors and regret them, they will see the faces of these beings radiating joyfully. Human beings must feel this connection between the microcosm and macrocosm. The beings that descend in red-yellow light clouds upon human beings and surround them in a circle release upon the human beings the feeling of fear as a punitive justice. In addition to this fear, a feeling of joy can come when these beings show us what developmental possibilities lie within us and how it depends on us to carry out this development. Always, however, something like a conflict arises in us when we experience the red clouds of concentrated figures trying to unite with the blue-violet figures that strive upward out of the depths. We hear clearly a voice that speaks, quote, Do not believe these beings. Believe what comes out of your own soul. Close quote. That is Lucifer's voice, and that is the greatest temptation that human beings can have, 
because Lucifer outshines all other beings in beauty, cunning, and seduction. Lucifer climbs also like the blue-violet beings out of the depths. We must also be clear that in these realms form is no longer of significance. The spirits of form, the Elohim, as they are called in the Bible, have their significance on earth. Within the spiritual worlds we find that we rise above the spirits of form and that the spirits of motion can approach us. We must never forget one thing, the feeling of deepest gratitude toward the higher beings and the spiritual worlds. Just as the Essenes, full of gratitude, looked toward the approach of the sun and prayed that it might rise, so also should we, with reverent thanks toward the spiritual beings, return to the temple of our physical body, which was built for us through the Saturn, Sun, Moon, and Earth periods, and in which alone we can attain Earth consciousness, ex Deo Nasimur. And then with this attained feeling of reverence and gratitude we live into the divine spiritual which releases us from the bonds of the bodily nature and brings us into the spiritual supra-sensible realm, helping us to attain the greatest bliss. It is so great and powerful that esotericists do not dare to speak the name of the highest being, in blank, morimur. And finally, in the last part of our ten-word Rosicrucian mantra, self-consciousness, which brings human beings over into a new incarnation, is expressed, per spiritum sanctum revivissimus. Living in the consonants and vowels of this mantra will bring us much further than meditation in the three parts of the mantra, which consists of two times three words and one times four words. The end of that esoteric lesson. And this is uh, the last esoteric lesson in this reading, The Hague, March 21st, Good Friday, and March 25th, 1913. When we manage to have complete quietness of soul after our meditation, a feeling can come over us as if we go upward out of ourselves and come into contact with the spiritual beings around us. This experience is accompanied by the feeling of expanding ourselves, of being spread out in a sphere above us. However, we can also come out of ourselves by going down into our being and can then come into contact with other spiritual beings. Along with this, there is a feeling of becoming narrower. We climb deep into ourselves and feel ourselves becoming tight or cramped and then come out of ourselves on the path down, just as we come out of ourselves on the path upward. This going out of ourselves and the accompanying feeling of becoming wider bring a feeling of bliss. It is as if we are climbing up towards spiritual beings that are approaching us there. If we climb downward, we meet spiritual beings who let us know deeply our shortcomings and we become one with these beings. Yet we then also notice that the sphere in which we find ourselves adjoins the sphere above us, and that now in the knowledge of our faults we feel the spiritual beings who approach us as avengers of those that judge and penalize, the archangel with the fiery sword. 
In contrast, we feel the beings of the sphere below to be mourning over our errors, and we feel deeply that our errors affect not only us, but that spiritual beings, the messengers, the angels, mourn over our errors and faults. We can either experience this only inwardly, or also see it outwardly as a colored imagination. In the latter case, the sphere in which the spiritual beings reveal themselves will spread itself in red and red-yellow colors above us, and under us the sphere will show itself as blue and blue-violet colors. Then both spheres meet together, and we feel ourselves moving in them and looking back upon our body as if looking upon something we had left behind. We can have this experience if we correctly meditate, es denkt mich, it thinks me, and we can see this imagination if in the night we become conscious of the working of the good gods. In the March 25th repetition of the esoteric lesson that was held in Berlin, the S as the sign of Lucifer, feelings expressed there, Araman and Lucifer, ten words, tenfold being of the human being, of which the fifth is unspeakable. That's the end of that esoteric lesson and the end of section two, which